Welcome to Cinemaholics. The film review you're about to hear is a clip from our most recent episode of the Cinemaholics podcast, hosted by Will Ashton and myself, John Negroni. To watch and listen to Cinemaholics every week live, follow us on YouTube. The link is in the description of this review. Enjoy the show. This is actually a very uh, recent film that we saw, <laughs> A Glitch in the Matrix, which uh, actually premiered at Sundance, and it's kind of having like an Insta, you know, availability kind of thing. But yeah, Glitch in the Matrix is a documentary that explores simulation theory, and you're able to rent or buy it on demand right now. Will and myself managed to check it out kind of at the last minute because neither of us saw it at Sundance. We kind of prioritized other things. And I think I think we kind of agreed. It's like, this is about to come out. So like, let's watch other stuff. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I would have done the same thing for Life in a Day, too, if I had realized how quickly it was going to come out. But um, yeah, I, I think I think we made the right call just waiting because there are so many things at Sundance we wanted to check out. But yeah, we've seen it anyway. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is from Rodney Asher, who's made a bunch of documentaries. Um, gosh, I'm I'm blanking on. I know Room 237 is like the one kind of more similar to this. Yeah. The one that's and, shiny. Uh, yeah. And then there's also the Nightmare, which is about sleep paralysis. That's that the other came one. Out. Yes. I believe in 2016, if I'm recalling correctly. Oh man, was it that was it that long ago? Uh, it might have it might have been yeah, 2015, 2016. There you go. I think yeah. So uh, yeah, this new film, Glitch in the Matrix, is it's not exactly like Room 237. It's not really about the Matrix. It's actually just more exploring the uh, philosophy behind the Matrix, uh, simulation theory, which is just this simple question of are we in fact living in a simulation? And it. The documentary actually like covers a lot of Philip K. Dick's commentary, uh, especially like in the latter half of the 20th century, when his novels were really taking off, as you as you might know from things like Blade Runner and Total Recall, Man in the High Castle. Philip K. Dick, as a science fiction author, was really interested in like the whole idea of like, is this our reality? You know, think of like the end of Inception. Is he still in a dream? Uh, the Matrix, of course, which is like Neo finding out that, you know, he's been living in the Matrix and he's never really used his eyes for, you know, the first time, all of that stuff. And simulation theory is the thing that goes way, way back to like Descartes. You know, it's it's a it's a very tricky thing because it as this documentary dives into, it can create almost like an existential crisis for people, because then you start to wonder if this isn't reality, then does that mean there are any consequences for what I do? So the documentary starts to get into that territory. And that all sounds really interesting, right? That's that's my bag. That's the kind of thing I'm totally. Yes, let's do it. Let's talk about simulation theory, because I think it's a fascinating topic. But I got to say, well. My, my college course in my sophomore college course in philosophy was more insightful than this documentary. And I don't know how this happened. Like, I just found this completely like the most surface level, like Reddit thread, the movie I, that's mean to Reddit. I found Reddit threads more like detailed and substantive than what this documentary does with simulation theory is the, it's such a boring intro to this subject and i'm really kind of annoyed with it like i hope people see it and are like wow this is a this is a kind of interesting and then find other things that are going to like really dive into it because i was super disappointed and how this turned out but i don't know what, what about you am I, am I being grumpy um for me I, i'm a really big fan of rodney asher's filmography um i do think that um his past two films like you said room 237 and the nightmare i i, I think what makes those two films so compelling to me is that with uh, two room two thirty seven, uh, that's it's about The Shining, like loosely, obviously. I mean, it's about 
how people perceive The Shining. But beyond that, it's about like how we perceive reality or how we we take in the things that we we consume as pop culture and like how our individual perspectives allow us to see one single piece of art in a variety of different ways. And I think that's a really fascinating conversation that because the filmmaker allows all these different subjects to divulge into their fan theories, uh, becomes a very interesting uh, uh, piece of art in terms of exploring what art means to us and how it emboldens us or kind of justifies a lot of things we perceive about society. Yeah, I want to I want to be clear. I'm a huge fan of Room 237. Yeah. Uh, as you probably are aware, considering my relationship to fan theories, and I 100% echo everything you just said, it's such a great, like, uh, covering of how fan theories work, and, like, headcanon, stuff like that. All that stuff is really good. And with uh, with um, The Nightmare, I, I similarly agree. Like, I think that film is really diving into, like, what scares us, and, like, if we are trapped within our own selves, like, what, what would terrify us the most, and, like, what, what really gets under our skins when we have to confront our fears in such a direct way? And I think that's also a really fascinating film. I might even like that film a little bit more than Room 237, because I think it comes together a little bit more uh, cohesively. Uh, but with... Um, the glitch in the matrix like i think he's trying to go back to this room 237 approach where he's just letting the subjects talk about how they feel about simulation theory but the problem with that is that he's primarily allowing subjects that are not really like studied in it or well versed in it it's a type of subjects where it's like rodney found like that weird dude in his basement who's like middle age he's 45 yes, exactly. and he's he's smoking a bong and he's eating cheetos like oh, okay like I, I was listening to elon musk and he was talking about and it's like that that, that type of uh, intellectual theory and i think those subjects are fun because um he he seems to have kind of playfulness in terms of like not fully taking them seriously at times or like kind of like acknowledging that they're they're kind of full of it uh one key example is uh they're talking about minecraft and um one of the subjects is this like like the higher intellectual being or something like he used some phrase like that and the uh, camera zooms in on like a kid with a headset playing minecraft <laughs> and it's such like like i kind of wish the movie had more of that because it's like if it's willing to acknowledge that these that some of these people are just kind of like in their own heads and like not really connected to reality, uh, that would have been a little bit more interesting if it had been um, with some more of the like kind of theological or philosophical subjects that are kind of briefly talked to throughout, but not really given a lot of time to to share their thoughts comparatively. Um, I think that that would have been a little bit more well-rounded and interesting documentary. But as it is right here, it's mostly about kind of establishing a mood and like kind of getting you into a similar headspace of these kind of aloof personalities which in my opinion some of them are entertaining some of them are, are kind of interesting and one of them in particular is just like pretty haunting uh towards the end but for the most part i just don't find them as interesting as the fan theories that are established in uh the shining who i mean those people are primarily full of shit themselves but i mean at least those are entertaining in terms of like what they're saying i just don't really find the subjects in a glitch in a matrix uh, to be as entertaining or endearing in a similar fashion. I think most of them, uh, you know, are, are mildly amusing or they, they, they have some interesting concepts, but like you said, it's all fairly surface level and it just, just kind of feels like Reddit commenters just offering their brief thoughts on things to the point where as a documentary, it, it does kind of uh, test your patience after a while. Right. Like, have you ever like been in that situation where you're in like a college dorm and this person who just read like three chapters of a book like tries to come off like an expert on it and just sits there talking your ear off about it and just trying to convince you like how fascinating it is. And it's like, 
dude, like, yeah, I know what this is. Like and you, another thing about infant just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. No, exactly. But like, I don't know. It's just like this pedantic. I don't know. It's, it's just super weird to me. And it, it's a shame because there are creative flourishes. I think Asher's just so good at making documentaries entertaining. Like the archival footage is really good. I, I just thought that like the selection of things tying in the matrix without it being too much. The matrix was good. Like there's a good balance of that. And, and also, like, I think it's fun that, like you said, they don't take the subjects too seriously, which, which works to the film's favor, unfortunately, when they just do these things like where they're like CG characters and things like that. Yeah, avatars. It's, yeah. it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. You know, but but then it doesn't go anywhere. So you're like, what? Why did I just sit through this? Yeah. I mean, I think if, if people have no idea of what simulation theory is and they go into this documentary with an open perspective, I think that might play better or you might get a little bit more out of this but i feel like especially now with the internet and we we have this kind of like red pill blue pill culture where these conversations are so indoctored into online culture and online forums that i, I don't think there's a lot of information here that that's new to the layman and right. I, I think to anyone who's interested in simulation theory this is always going to be like you know one-on-one stuff and I, I don't think they're going to get anything out of outside of you know the personalities being kind of amusing at times so i'm not really sure who this movie is appealing to like maybe like older audiences who aren't online and, and they're just kind of getting like a rough course in like what what these people are saying but like like we were saying like i think the balance isn't quite there in terms of indulging the subjects but also kind of being reserved enough to be Acknowledging that they're they're kind of full of it and just not really speaking a lot of honest sense, but um, I, I think that balance was a lot more coherent in the last two films that he did, or at least uh, two Room Two Thirty Seven. But yeah, with this one, it just yeah. I mean, it, it's not a bad film. I think it's like decently well made, and I agree with you. Like, I think the um, the the fact that it was filmed during COVID, presumably, and that's primarily following um, Zoom conversations that. Uh, have this flourish of being like CG avatars and stuff like that. I, th- I think that's a creative way of getting around something that could have been visually boring otherwise. But yeah, it's um, not flat. Yeah, but I, I think that's a credit to him being, you know, a, a, a well-versed uh, documentarian at this point. But like you said, like I, I, I just I, compared to his past few films, this one just left me a little bit wanting by the end. Yeah, you know, I, I think to answer your question, of like, who is this for? I, I don't, I think this is supposed to be primarily for millennials, like younger millennials or maybe middle millennials and boomers. And, you know, so like for millennials, it's like for those of us who maybe like we were aware of the matrix, like we, we probably like snuck into it, you know, cause, cause Gen X, I think this is not for Gen X, like, cause they lived yeah. through, like they watched the matrix, like fully formed, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that part of like the subculture in the early two thousands is like well aware of all this material. And a lot of them are like the Redditors you're talking about, the people who've like gone on, like, I think even Gen Z, like it, it's not for them. Like, like you said, it's like, I feel like we could invite a Gen Z person on and they'd be like, all right, I'm going to bread pill both of you. Like they, they know right. this stuff. It's not, I, I think it's like millennials who maybe are like a little bit less tech savvy and boomers who kind of just like this stuff kind of maybe went over their head and they never really considered it before. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I just, I, I think if you're interested in simulation theory, you're not really going to get that much out of this film. And if you, if you don't know that much about simulation theory, you're not going to learn a whole lot. So at, 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 in that respect, it doesn't really amount to a whole bunch of other than like, maybe like a brief intro into this, like really complicated nuanced conversation that I, I think, like you say, if you go on enough online forums, you'll probably get more out of, out of that conversation 
than you would with this film. But in terms of being like a flashy, you know, entertaining package, it's it's okay. Like I, I think it's amusing in yeah. spots, and I, I don't think it's poorly made in any respect. But in the end, I, I think as a like kind of more intellectually stimulating piece of entertainment, I, I don't think it really fully amounts to all that much. Agreed. Yeah, it's just pretty average. So that is Glitch in the Matrix. I am, uh, you know, like a C plus. You know, I, like you said, it's not terrible or anything. I just think that it's it's not something a lot of people are going to get too much out of. Uh, but what about you? It's, it sounds like you're you're around like C plus, maybe B minus. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I've been back and forth on my grade. I think I'll give it a high C plus just because I don't imagine I'm going to be reflecting on this film in the same way that I thought about his last two films. Um, yeah, same. And and I I, just, I think there was just a little bit more to those films than than what we got here. But you know, I mean, not a terrible film. Like I, I'm not mad I saw it or anything. I, I think enough of it is interesting, and, and I do think the the one scene I I, I think it's kind of an ethical a boundary in terms of whether or not they they should have included that. But the the whole scene with the um the like the house i don't I don't know what i can really say without spoiling it but you know what i'm talking about like yeah. three fourths away that that's such a haunting and and just a visceral scene that i i i'm i'm really impressed with how they pulled that off even though i, I think there might be some ethical issues there but um i i think that that that's enough to where like i can see that's the that's the rodney asher i know like that's that's the filmmaker i'm used to from the past two films and i just don't think that fully came out here but not a, a, a worthless effort just just something that didn't match its potential all right. Well, if you want to check it out for yourself and let us know what you think, Glitch in the Matrix is available to stream right now on demand. It is 110 minutes long. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube where you can stream our weekly episodes live for even more banter and weird film takes. See you all next time.